The message is called Sitting Pretty. Sitting Pretty. And, um, and, and so I, when I get this saying from, I thought to myself, Sitting Pretty. And we're talking about grace. We talked about grace, uh, that this would be the month of learning about grace. And so, okay, here we go. Sitting Pretty is a, is a saying. I looked it up and Googled it. Sitting Pretty. And it says this, to be lucky or to be in an advantageous position. It's an American expression. It comes from the early 1900s. It is sitting in a comfortable position and, and pretty is an adjective suggesting beauty, leading to the suggestion of an easy, favorable situation. Did you get that? Sitting pretty. And so I've pro- I, was, I went to a pastor's meeting uh, in Newcastle and um, we had a, a round table discussion about where the church is at and prophetically what we thought. And these senior ministers only, so it was quite some theological debate, but some prophetic debate of where we think God is at in releasing his kingdom, building his church. And at the end, I did get a word for my brother, the pastor. I said, look, I just got a word for you because we're just about to move on out of that and get back to our lives. But I thought, got a word for him. And one of, one of the things I ended up, well, I said a whole bunch of stuff, but I had this residual value of this saying that I never, never gave him, but I thought, sitting pretty. He just needs to understand this, that he is sitting pretty. And what I was trying to say in that, that he needs to get this understanding. He needs to get in his groove of understanding that grace is for him, around him, upon him. And when you're sitting pretty in grace, you don't have to try hard. You don't have to earn your way. You don't, you don't have to achieve something. You just receive grace, sitting pretty. Does that, does that make sense? And th- this is what the Christian life's about. We have a high propensity as people to want to achieve, to academically, physically, and we want to earn our position, I believe human nature, and it's definitely true, Paul suggests it, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, he suggests that we have in our human nature a high propensity to want to achieve righteousness and right standing with God. And a lot of that came from the law. As a Pharisee, Paul knew that. But now Jesus came and said, guess what? It's done. It's done? Now we've got to do. It's not about the doing It's about the done. And it's about Jesus, what he's done. It is finished. All that try hard stuff through the law of Moses has been finished and completed through Christ Jesus. And it's a free gift to stand in that. You don't have to try be righteous. You don't have to try and achieve this. It is all about standing and sitting pretty. So put a smile on your dial this morning and just thank God that you are saved. Uh, You didn't pray enough. You didn't give enough. You didn't read your Bible enough. So what? I mean, it, it does matter, but truly at the end of the day, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You've got to come in, come up roses in every day and every morning, and be able to say, Jesus, I come to the throne of grace. What, what is it? The throne of grace. That's why we can come. I think this is one of the major um, 
I guess, in childlike faith, which I, I believe I have in God, which allowed me to launch into ministry and do this crazy stuff called build the church and be a minister. One of the crazy notions I had, and I think it was a God revelation, somehow it ended up being a, a, a true revelation of where God wants us all to be, was this, that we could confidently come before God, despite the stuff that we had done and despite the stuff that we were in, embroiled in, in stuck in sin, whatever, that somehow when God was looking at us, myself, at a given moment, I could easily just say, oh my God. It's like dad's mad with you, you think dad's mad with you, but then somehow a miracle happens. He's happy with you. Something happened in the, in the you know, in, in, at two o'clock in the afternoon, he was really mad with you. But I don't know what happened. His football team won or something. Somewhere between two and four o'clock when I saw him at four, something happened for dad and he was all smiles. Come here, son. You know, he's forgotten all about all, all, all the judgment and all the, all the wrath, you know. And, 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 and it's a great day. I think it happened for me. I didn't even plan to say that, but I think it actually happened. I'm fearing for my life. I've done something and he's going to catch up with me. I'm trying to evade him. I'm down the bush playing and, and I've got to go home because I'm hungry now. And, and you walk into the door and, you, and, you, and he's happy? What is that? What happened? Uh, Manchester United won. Yeah, anyway, yeah, you know, and, and he's looking at you with a big smile. And, and he's looking at you with his eyes. And you know, man, that you are in good company. I mean, you're ready. It's safe now. You can relax and come into the house and feel free. Open the fridge up, you know. You don't open the fridge up when your dad's mad. You make sure he's not around. Grab something quick. Shut the fridge. Go to your room. Now I'm walking around the house like a king. Like I'm a little, little king, you know. This is my house. Yeah. When dad's mad with you, you're scurrying around, sneaking into the house, sneaking into church. Yeah, I'm here, but I don't want to be here. Some people are like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I've lost all the notes now. Yeah, forget the notes. God wants you to rule and reign. He wants you to be a king. He wants you to be a queen. He wants you to rule over your life, your circumstance. Businessman, he wants you to rule over your business. He wants you to rule over that depression. He wants you to rule over your stuff. He wants you to rule over your, uh, over your sin. He wants you to rule. He wants you to be a ruler. He wants you to be a king. He wants you to have dominion. And, and to, have that, to have that is to be able to walk through life with a sense that God favors you, that God absolutely is, is with you, for you. He's going to make a way for you. He, he's going he's to deliver you. He's going to heal you. He's going to bless you. Everything and more is in that grace land, living in grace. God is for me. And this grace is about this. It's about the presence of God. Moses said, unless you go with me, I cannot go into the, into the enemy's territory. I cannot move forward with, with, the, with, the, with God's people, Israel. I cannot take ground without you, God. And in ourselves, we have this... We have this, I guess, reality check that we ain't going too far without God. We're not going to be able to do well in life without God. And I think young people are getting that straight up. I think that's why young people are getting saved. They're, bang, they're hitting a, a wall. They go, oh my God, this world is brutal. 
This world is complex. This, I'm not going to be able to do my studies, man, without God. I'm not going to even be able to live a good life. I'm not going to even make it out of my teens without God. And they're hitting that wall far earlier than when I was that age, when we were that, because life is brutal now. To, 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 to achieve their, their um, to, to, to get jobs and to be in the race of life, to be able to earn a living and uh, they're studying like you wouldn't believe, trying to, and, and the higher societies, because they're more into that than we are on the coast maybe, they're even more pressured, they're studying like crazy because they've got to achieve this status, this ability to enter into the workplace to do well in life. Need, need, and you can see where people are burning out. Mothers are burning out. Fathers are burning out. This is a big job in life. To do anything in life is a... Is, but God says, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you rest. You're going to do a lot of conquering, overcoming. You're going to rule and reign. But I'm going to give you rest. There's going to be a slipstream of the anointing. There's going to be a slipstream of the grace of God. You like that? Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, say grace, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life. I'm talking about reigning in life. Through the one man, Jesus Christ. Reign in the Greek means kingly rule, reigning in life as a king, to possess kingly dominion. The secret of reigning in life lies with receiving everything that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. If we are living a life of defeat, you are not living the life God intended. Based on the authority of God's word, you are destined to reign in life as a king, to have dominion over all your challenges and circumstances. Who can say amen to that? You are called to be above them all and not be trampled by them. The time has come for you to stop abdicating your right to reign in life. Now, the thing is, again, the, you know, it's this thing about achieving... Um, we want to achieve, and there's some good. There's lots of good stuff in that that we need to do that. But with this God stuff, it's not about achieving, because you know society is built on these two pillars of achieving and self-effort. And we can get into then, if we do that in our own strength, we get in behaviour modification. Oh, in church you've got to smile, and you've got to be friendly. And then you have people being all awkward, you know, they're smiling and they're, they're at the wrong time and then they're shaking hands at the wrong time and they're trying to hug you at the wrong time and it's all awkward, you know what I mean? But it's got to be so much more organic than that. It's just got to be, man, I don't know what, I just don't know, I just smile on my dial and it's cool. Yeah, I'll give you a handshake, whatever, you know, pat you on the back, whatever, give you a hug even if it's right and ready and... It's more natural, it's much more natural than behave, and, and then grace allows you to do that because you're in this grace where you can actually pull off feats of being recklessly friendly. Say recklessly friendly. Rather than being contrived and measured. I know you're tight. 
No, no, no friendliness to you. Oh, there's one I can trust. And, and, but Christians, they should have this. I don't care who you are, man. Tax collector, sinner, mafia. <laughs> Julie and I, I can't mention this guy's name, but he was in the paper and I can't even tell, no, I can't even tell it because you'll guess who it is. And um, he was a known uh, criminal in England. He'd come here and he, he just, his reputation followed him. And he was been in jail in England for murder and now he was here and there was all this other uh, stuff happening around his life here and he was in the paper and uh, somehow he ended up in my street oh, visiting the neighbour next door uh, and, and I met him at the front and recklessly I, I said hi to him and, uh, and recklessly I invited him in for a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> into my house <laughs> and, 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 and then we started to realise this guy's heavy man this guy's really heavy and Julie and I were impervious to the whole we just man how many sugars one two yeah, or, yeah you know tell us about your life oh yeah murdered a couple of people no he didn't actually say that but you could see it on him you could see him wanting to be friendly wanting to be, live this and, and receive of this normal this occasion of being hospitable but when he left after about half an hour, because he bowed out graciously, and thank goodness, because uh, we started to realise, oh my goodness, what have we done? <laughs> and, uh, the neighbour said to me the next day, said, did, did, do you know who you had in your... Did, did, you, did, did you know you, you invited in your house? Did you know who he is? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, you're crazy. He said, I, I, I know him, I never invite him in my house. He said he was picking up something from him to do with horse racing and stuff. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Did I make a point that this is about just receiving? Good. Okay, pass that says. <laughs> God wants us to stop trying to achieve and begin to receiving this, this favour, the blessing and the healings and everything else. We've just got to realise that it's finished, it's done, it's done. Salvation is a work of grace. Very, very important. It's a work of grace. Okay, so when I think about grace, and I studied this book of theology about grace for about half a day, and um, and (laughs) it was good actually. (laughs) Fell asleep twice. and uh, (laughs) But I really got blessed. And, and grace for me is like this, and I had this analogy. So when I prepare my sermons, I've got to walk them out, go, go for a bushwalk and road test them. And one of the things I thought about grace, which is God's undeserved favour, you know, because we'd like to think we deserved it. You know, I went to church. That's why he saved me. Oh, look, he knew I always believed him as a kid. That's why I got saved. Look, I'm not that bad. That's why I got saved. He, know, he, he just thinks I'm special. I always thought that. I always did that. Even in my whole class, I thought I was the, the kid. No, it wasn't because of that. It wasn't because you were smart. It wasn't because of your family background. I know I got saved because my parents served God in Africa. No, it wasn't because of that. I, I, I know I got saved because I look like Brad Pitt. No, it wasn't because of that. And I don't look like Brad Pitt. Grand illusion there. And uh, it, it's, about, it's about this. 
that, that you were sinking, you were done for, you were stuck, lost. You were sinking. You were, you, 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 like, I remember Manly Beach, 1968. I had this, I had this hero mindset that I would, anytime I went for a surf, uh, and I loved the beach from a young age, um, that, that one of the things I loved to do and that, that I felt I was ruling and reigning, and as I, I used to do this from a seven-year-old even, that I would swim out beyond everyone. And I liked just to be ahead of just everyone. Because I didn't like crowds. That was one of the other things. So I didn't like being the mingle of the crowd. I used to just get ahead of all the people out there catching waves and hanging out there. 68, I'm out at Manly. And, um, and I'm out in front of everyone. And um, I, I realised, because I'm a bit of a daydreamer too, uh, I, I realised when I looked back, I went, oh my God, that, they're too far away. Uh, uh, and I'm a swimmer, okay. Why aren't they getting closer? I know I'm a real good swimmer. Human effort, achievement, I can do this. I'm a real good swimmer. I know I've got this, damn it. I know I can do this. <laughs> uh, uh, stop, rest, I'm tired. Uh, uh, okay, big ocean, lots of people back there, and, and actually I'm drifting away from them. Pride, it's an awful thing. I'm, I don't know how long I did it for, but I, I did not lift my hand. I would not lift my hand as an eight-year-old Aussie, bronzed Aussie. Um, I refused to lift that hand. I was so embarrassed and um, I got pride too. Then I saw someone like Phil Cairns with a beard and he's swimming out to me. I went, oh no, he can see that I'm in trouble bearded guy swimming towards me. He comes to me. He said, son, you all right? Uh, Now I can see. No. (laughs) And he looked at me. Why didn't you tell me? I mean, why didn't you put your hand up? That's what he said to me. I still remember it. It was like whack. It was like a total affront to my pride. I was crestfallen. Why didn't you put your hand up? Now, right behind the bearded guy swimming out to me was manly, manly lifesavers, two of them. Hat on, loving this, man. We've been waiting for this. <laughs> they gently say to the man, thank you very much, bearded man. And I'm saying with these big bronzed Aussie guys, I'm saying, it's okay, I will swim back with you. He said, no, you won't, son. Flip on your back and you're coming with, oh, no. No, no, I will swim with you and and I will swim back to the pack and and I'll enjoy the rest. No, no, son, flip on your back and you come and drag me back. And they, with the rope, and I'm being dragged back and I'm going, oh, no, here comes the crowd. Dragged through the crowd, through the crowd, and then through, into the shallows. Oh, not the shallows. Let, please let me walk through the shallows at least. No, son, got to make sure. Untie me, whatever, some, 
something's on me up right now. And man, I must have been red as the beach. I must have been so... And then, of course, I ran. I ran off that beach. Because all he said to me, you all right now? I'm right. <laughs> Mum, you've got to buy me some new costumes, different colour, get me uh, some sunglasses. I, I, I want to go to the beach today. What's the matter with you? So I had an embarrassing moment yesterday. You don't understand. Oh, I'm in a silly mood this morning, I know. We all need a saviour. Can't save ourselves. You need a saviour who is willing to plunge fearlessly into the water to save you regardless of what you know or do not know or what you have done or not done. You cannot earn by your own works. His desire is to save you. It is by his grace. You know, this life saver didn't come to me and says, now son, you need to learn how to swim properly. He didn't say that. Jesus doesn't... You know, a minister, when you're lost, he doesn't say, we're going to teach you some theology about how to get... We just say, you need help, you need grace, you need a prayer of salvation right now. You need to just acknowledge Jesus. We don't need a teacher. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have... You know, the lifesaver said, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done this. He didn't say that. He said, you need help, you're going to be saved. You're going to be... You're going to be gathered up in my arms. I'm going to save you. I don't want you to even try. I want you to lay on your back and I just want you to cop it sweet and be saved. No, no, no. I want to try. I want to flip. Can I flip? Can I flip? Stop it. <laughs> Our part is to believe in Him. Receive all that He's accomplished. Sounds ridiculous. One-sided, unfair. That's exactly what grace is. Grace is only grace when it is undeserved, unearned, unmerited. Grace is only grace when it is undeserved, unearned, unmerited. Folks, let's get ready for 2012 to be radically blessed through grace. John says, Apostle John is a great theologian. He says that God is spirit. We worship in spirit and truth. God is light. We come into the light by asking forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you think you have not sinned and ask not for forgiveness, you, you make God out to be a liar. So when we ask for God forgiveness, when we do put our hand up and say, Yeah, I'm drowning. I need you. You come into the light. And Jesus wraps his loving arms around you and saves you and blesses you. If you lie and say, no, I don't need saving. I'm I'm not holding my hand up. I'm not making any gestures towards you, God. I read something about how to have a healthy marriage. And healthy marriage is all about this. It's about reciprocating what your wife says. So women love to, when they share with you, be emotionally about it. They they love to have a lot of expressions. And and this, and and that, and and, and it's a bit like, and and then, and, and men are just going, yeah. Yeah, right. And that, they say this for emotion. They say this. this so true. And women, it's not the words that women are saying. It's the emotion behind it. Men are all into words. They go, yeah, give me the bottom line. Give me, come on. Tell me the hard fact. Yeah, no, no, you don't understand. It's like this. And, and then this. And, and, 
And they say for a good relationship between man and woman, it, it's good to mirror actually the women. Is that right? Wow. Wow. Oh, gee. Mm, boy. Wow. That. That somehow. That house shows that, that you are actually listening. Because this, this uh, book went on to say, and this book is all about how, how to find your best partner and how to date and how to pick up the signs that a woman's not interested in you when she sits across the table and she crosses her legs and away from you and she doesn't ever contact you with her eyes. Uh, it's good if the eyes connect and, uh, and especially dilate and then, of course, their posture is different. And anyway, this is helping some marriages right here, right now. Uh, and, of course, women and, and men are much more hard-skinned. Women, uh, men are more hard-skinned. They're more, they're, I, I don't know if it's because of the, the, uh, the, the hunter, the provider. They're thick-skinned. They're meant to go out and do battles and not get emotional. Oh, gee whiz, there's a lion. Oh, <laughs> they're more thick. They're more, you know, and they take that attitude to their wives and they go, yes, wife, what do you want? Tell me. They go, oh, it's like this. It's hard. Oh, what do I do? And they go, yeah, well, man up, you know, because we've got a family to raise here and <laughs> you can't do that you got, you got to put the weapons down outside, you got to take your boots off, you got to come in and, and you got to say, now, now what was it like while I was away for four days hunting rabbits and tell me everything yeah. <laughs> and so Give me all your thoughts out. Yeah, yeah, tell me everything, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do tell me everything, what was it like we, did you get scared? And what was it like when the dinner burnt? What was it like when the kids fell over? And, and oh, is that right? Oh, oh, mm, gee, wow, boy, glad I wasn't here. <laughs> that is gonna—that's gonna be really good for me later on, and it's gonna keep me married. It's gonna keep me married. Now, now, hang on. Some theology for someone. If God is spirit, and we are spirit, and if we're in the light, in this arrangement of being saved by grace, but then John goes on to say, yes, God is spirit. That's the essence of God. He is spirit. The attributes of Him, the, 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 the attributes of Him are light. But then the nature of him is love. Is love. This is deep theology for someone right here. See, you've got to understand who God is. God is spirit. God is light. That means when you try and bring sin close to him, you're just going to wilt, man. You, just, you need to get forgiveness and you need to come up sitting pretty. You need to come up roses in God. That's why some people won't come to church. It will fall down, meaning they will fall down. Not the church will fall down. They will fall down if they try and bring their sin into church. Man, they just need to be forgiven, bring their life into the light. The love factor is huge because the grace that I'm talking about is all based from the love of God. It's the Father smiling at you. His favorite team won. Jesus went to the cross. He's so proud. His church is on the rise. 
He's got a master plan. He's looking at you with great love. And that never changes. He's looking at you and saying, I love you, child. I'm barracking for you. I want you to rule and reign. Would you let me give you all the resource that you need? The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the mercy, the goodness. I want to bless you so much. He's literally like that, looking at you. Grace surrounds you right now. It's the kingdom. Grace is around us right now. It's the kingdom of God knocking on your door, saying with a great big Father God, saying with a big smile on His face, I want to bless you through my Son. And the Holy Spirit, let me tell you about Him. He's, man, He wants to just follow you, guide you, counsel you, comfort you. He just, and He's full of love. And our response is like some men. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to believe that. Wish I could believe that. Women, they get it much more. They go, oh man, is that right? Oh boy. Their hands go up. Their posture changes. Their expression changes. It mirrors the reflection of the bridegroom. We're the bride, the church. The bride is supposed to respond. The bridegroom is supposed to have this relationship where we respond. Not sitting across the table on a bad date, legs crossed, not trying to get eye contact, measured statements. Oh, the phone rings. Oh, look, I've got to go actually. Sorry. Man, we're supposed to come here with such a great love. We're supposed to come in in the house saying, God, I want to. We got a date Sunday morning. We got a date Sunday night. I want to come and, and worship you in spirit and truth. I want to stand in your light. I want, I want to be forgiven. I want all my sin dealt with. And, and, and dear God, I, I need your love. I need love to give away. I can't even love my wife. I can't love my kids without your love. My love, my natural love. It cannot do what you've called me to do. When you receive grace, when you receive love, when you stand in the light and when you abide in the Spirit, I'm telling you what, you are ready to minister to anyone that comes your way, including the murderer that we invited into our house all those years ago. Jesus, come on. Let's get some expression. Let's get some reciprocal. Jesus looking at you. Come on. Father's looking at you. Let's all stand. God bless you. Dear God in heaven, forgive me, Lord, right now for being hard of heart. Just close your eyes for a moment. You said, Lord God, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I believe in You, Lord God. I trust in You. I abide in you, dear God. Dear God in heaven, I'm praying your presence would go with me all the days of my life. Father, I thank you for your great love towards me through grace. I receive grace. Grace is the favor shown by God to sinners. 
It is the divine goodwill offered to those who neither inherently deserve or can ever hope to earn it. It is the divine disposition to work in our hearts, in our wills, in our actions. I'll say that again. It is the divine disposition of grace to work into our hearts, into our wills and our actions so that so as actively to communicate God's self-giving love for humanity. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Grace is God's way of empowering us to release us from being bound from this world, to be released to worship God with hands held high, to put an expression on our face like we really love God, to be able to clap our hands, sing for joy, dance even. I don't know what your thing is, but dear God in heaven, right now, we just pray, Lord God, that we would receive grace, that we wouldn't stand in our own merit of salvation through our cleverness or through some other allusion to being saved we are saved because you swam out to us you saved us you brought us in from hell from a lost situation you brought us in we are so thankful for that so ever thankful lord god that you saved our souls can you say that this morning church come on Can you say that this morning? I am so thankful that I am saved by grace. A free gift, not because of any other merit or achievement in my life. You saved me, Lord God, and I thank you that I am now in the company of the saints, in the house of God, in your presence. You are for me. You are with me. You abide in me. You are... Lord, you are all complete, all amazing. You are God for me. God, I'm amazed. Now listen, here's the key. Paul said, because did Paul, the Apostle Paul, deserve salvation? He was a murderer of Christians. He was actually destroying the church. And then God, Jesus blessed him with an encounter that knocked him completely off his pride off his religious pride and he became in that realizing that he didn't deserve salvation he became the master teacher of grace in the New Testament he became the the most exquisite, revelatory teacher of grace because Paul was gone. He was bound for hell. He was bound for hell. Jesus came to him and said, Paul, I actually love you despite you killing my people and and ruining my plans. I love you. And so Martin Luther in the 15th century thought God's hands reaching down from heaven were pointing at him, judging him and accusing him. But when he had a revelation that we're justified justified by faith, he realized that hand was actually reaching out to him in love. That God was not accusing Martin Luther, that God was actually reaching out to him in love. Martin, Martin, up here. 
experience me, my intimacy, my love, my grace. Martin, that's good what you're doing, studying the Word. But I'm up here. I'm here right now. And just simply you acknowledging me in the simple truth. Jesus, this I know. Saved by grace. Martin, do you see me? And and all of a sudden, Martin sees the hand turning from accusing him to reaching down to him. And Martin goes, oh my God. I'm saved by grace. He loves me. What's that saying? This I know. Jesus loves me. They asked a great theologian, what's your, what's your greatest thought? What's your greatest thought? The greatest theologian of the 20th century. What's your greatest thought you've ever had? Jesus loves me. This I know. Because the Bible tells me so. Close your eyes right now through the simplicity of prayer and acknowledging God, God's Son, Jesus, as Lord of your life right now. Hearts are beating and the Holy Spirit's here. And I believe there's a choice in the house right now to receive Jesus. You're not joining a church. You're not becoming religious. You're just simply saying yes to Jesus. If that's you, you're just simply putting up your hand in the storms of life and saying, yeah, I could do with being saved. I'm sick of struggling. I'm sick of trying to strive and achieve and I need to be saved. If that's you right now, if you need that, if you need that lifeline of mercy, if you need salvation, if you need Jesus to lay hold of you, to grab hold of you and bring you in from the storm of life. If that's you, I'm just asking you right now just to simply put your hand up from the front to the back. And I've got a simple short prayer for you right now before we go. We're done. But right now there's people, maybe there's one or two people in the house that just simply need assurance of their salvation. They simply need to say yes to Jesus all over again. They've got a revelation this morning of the grace of God. If that's you right now, it's a simple prayer of salvation and it gives you assurance and it shows God you really mean business with Him. If that's you, the Bible says if you publicly say yes to Jesus, He will go public for you on that day when you go to heaven. If that's you, I have a short prayer for you this morning. People do this in every service. 180,000 people are saved every day on the planet. If that's you, from the front to the back, to this side, to this side. If that's you, just quickly slip your hand up. If you need a prayer of assurance of salvation, just quickly slip your hand up. If that's you, old or young, young or old, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the king of England. You could be whatever. You could be a millionaire. You could be whatever. It's right now. If that's you, got to be sure. Got to be absolutely sure. Father in heaven, right now, you see every hand. That's great, sister. Any others? Any others? Right now. Just assurance. It's a simple... It's a simple gesture of acknowledging God in the presence of Him in the house of God. Young and old do this. It doesn't matter what you are, who you are. It doesn't matter how much you've got. It doesn't matter how less you've got. It's, it's you and God right now. It's you and God right now. If that's you, there's one hand, any others. There's another hand. There's another hand. The enemy's been lying to you. He's saying, you're not saved. You're not bound for eternity. If that's you, we want to dispel that right now. We want to dispel every lie. Just whisper to your friend right now, is that you? Do it. Just whisper to your friend if that's them, if they're visiting in the house.